This is a Broad Pods production. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Cecilia, the producer. Today we've got Joe Stanley and Rana Hussein hosting the podcast. But before I let you get into it, I just wanted to ask you if you have a moment while you're listening, after you're listening, if you could just leave us a review wherever you're listening to your podcast and share it with one or two friends. We need to spread the word about Broad Radio and this is the best way to do it, especially leaving a review in Apple. That really does help us to, um, you know, let more people know about what we're up to. But thank you for listening. And today's episode is a great one. You uh, get to meet Rana and find out her secret passion and ambition in life and a really raw conversation with a mum whose son went off the rails and ended up in jail. Lots to digest today. Enjoy. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host today is the amazing Rana Hussain. Hi, Rana. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us on Broad Radio for the first time. People would know you from ABC TV, ABC Radio, from the amazing podcast, Outer Sanctum, one of my favourites. Mm, and Terry. <laughs> you do sensational work on that. I have to say, Joe, I'm just beaming at you, mainly because you're you're not just a voice in my ears anymore. Is that what how you, how you used to seeing and ingesting yes, me? Yes, you're, you're a real-life person in front of me. It's quite a thrill, I have to say. Oh, darling, that's that's lovely of you to say. But you know, you you do so many different things. You're a sports administrator as well. Like you, you have such impact on well the media, but also sport right now. Like you know, you, you've you've changed attitudes. I think you know you work really hard in diversity and inclusion. Um, and I'm inspired by the work that you do. Oh, love. thank you. I hope I've changed attitudes. I try. I think uh, it's definitely hard work. I feel like I haven't been in sport for as long as it feels like I've been in sport. Well, that's that's how, how massive your impact has been, though. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I think I've watched sport my whole life. I've loved it my whole life. But I turned it into a career, which I don't know if that was 
that's a good thing or not. It's funny you say you're from a generation that was told you could do anything you want because um, I grew up in the 80s mm. and no one said that in the 80s. What did, did they you? tell you in the 80s? Um, I think there was a lot of just, um, you know, don't get too big for your boots. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I, I talk at schools a lot and, and um, kids always say, oh, you know, who, who did you sort of look up to and who, who really inspired you? And I was like, well, in the 80s, the only people that went overseas were the Minogues. Oh. You know, it was Kylie, it was about it. It's so funny <laughs> you say that because I have a sister who's 12 years older than me mm. and she is sort of now getting to that point where she goes, oh, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Whereas the 12 years difference, we are just two very different generations. Wow. And I, we have such different attitudes too as women and as women of colour, what our place in the world is. And I find that so interesting. I think in the eight, I always thought in the 80s there was like the power, shoulder, you know, working mm. woman vibe. But actually it wasn't, you know, we are very, my generation's quite lucky. It was pretty new though. It was new, to, it was new in the 80s and mm. I think it was also a privilege you know what I mean? Like yeah. not many women actually were living that. Reserved for the very few. Yeah, well, I was in the movies, basically. <laughs> it was yeah. for Working Girl, the movie, basically, <laughs> right? True. Um, yeah. So to get you a little, get to know you a little better, I've got one question for Ooh, you, okay? Yes. What um, is your dream gig? Like the, the gig that, the one that you're almost scared to say out loud? Breakfast television. You're already doing breakfast television. <laughs> you do you do ABC TV. Well, I say breakfast. breakfast. I want to be it, the, the really. I would love to just be Oprah if oh I could. Oh my god, be. that's my dream. Oh, let's just both be <laughs> Oprah, and then we'll 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 take over the world. I, I've always wanted to be. It's actually making I physically feel uncomfortable as I'm about to say this. I just want to be a presenter. I want to be in people's living rooms, in their ears, talk back radio. Uh, that's what I've always wanted to do. And I've spent, I grew up being told, you know, make sure whatever you do, it's in service of others. So mm. I threw myself into like the really kind of noble work. Yes. Uh, Counselling. And I was volunteering at detention centres when I was 18. Um, and, and I thought, you know, that's where I needed to be. Um, and I've slowly kind of grown into my skin and allowed myself to say, actually, I just want to talk about Top Gun. I want to talk about <laughs> the silly things. You know, yes. and I think that especially as women of colour or people on the margins, we're often also put in that box that mm. if we're going to be present, it turn up in public spaces, we have to be serious. We have to talk about the issues. When actually, I just I do want to talk about silly things or sport and not have to talk about inclusion all the time. Well, in a way, I sort of felt bad that I started with that, I guess, because I don't oh. want that to be your responsibility. And I know that, you know, I've spoken with Winnet the Bonnie and other people mm. who, who have said, women of colour who have said, it, it shouldn't always fall to us. And, you know, why th why is that responsibility on us all the time? So, I don't know, is that bad that I opened no. with that? Well, I'm very grateful that you asked the question because I think that's the thing, right? We just don't get asked those questions or we don't, um, we sort of have to kind of kick the door down and have those conversations to make it better for other people and mm. ourselves. But that you're even asking means it is probably already getting better. So mm. Okay. I think it's good. good. Yes. Um, and we will talk about Top Gun at some point because <laughs> the last time we met, we had an, <laughs> not a disagreement, but a heated conversation about we did. Uh, Tom Cruise versus an <laughs> ageing Brad Pitt who is 
my preference, but um, I'd love to Top Gun, though. We'll get we to will. that. I'm we'll shoehorning it into every conversation I have, <laughs> frankly, so we'll get there, I'm sure. What about this conversation that's being had around Daisy Pierce, mm. Rana? I'm so excited that you're with us because you are a sports broadcaster and I'd love your perspective on the fact that uh, Rex Hunt very publicly said um, she's a wonderful lass but let Wayne Carey get a word in and that uh, perhaps she shouldn't be she shouldn't have this Friday night gig of special comments then Wayne's been relegated to the Saturday mm. night what's your thoughts on this whole conversation well my honest and initial reaction was all right next <laughs> like I just <laughs> yeah. didn't pay it any attention because I thought oh that's just that's not where we are and it's Mm. one person's opinion and I and actually to be honest I was really disappointed in uh, the Herald Sun for publishing those comments in the first place Mm. or for going there because it it felt very transparent that you know maybe this this is me being cynical but that this is gonna generate clicks for us this is gonna get people talking in in kind of a way that's so unproductive and so my response was, Look, I'm just not going to engage with this. And then when we saw Dermot Brereton and Double Down, mm. I thought, okay, this is now getting a bit annoying. I still didn't want to engage with it. But the thing that really gets me is someone who aspires to be in sports broadcasting, who's always, you know, never thought it was possible and then starting to see women do it makes it that little bit more possible to have comments like that publicised just puts people like me back in our box and mm. I think that that's really what's at stake here. Um, but that's a deliberate, that's deliberate. They want to put you in your box. Absolutely. I mean, mm. I have to think so. I mean, mm. look, you don't have to like Daisy Pierce, um, and I think if people don't like her commentary, fine. I don't like a lot of people's commentary. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's plenty of times right? I'm yelling at the telly going, shush, just let me watch the footy. You're driving me nuts. It's a footy rite of passage to get <laughs> frustrated with the commentary. Yeah. Uh, what is actually really interesting, I saw this on Twitter somewhere, um, so forgive me whoever did tweet this, but that it's interesting that when there there are people, there are men who aren't great at what they do, but the footy media does close ranks around them. We don't mm. hear comments like that about other men in football media, yet for some reason we're hearing about Daisy Pierce, mm. And you just have to ask yourself, well, this has got to be because people are now starting to feel uncomfortable. You know, Rex Hunt did make comments around quotas. and mm. It's ridiculous. Alluding, you know, and that, that Daisy's there as a token woman. My, what I'm really interested in is, okay, how do we organise now? How do we, who want to be in support of Daisy or anybody else who is in that position, how do we organise and be more strategic when these things happen? Do we all get around her on Twitter or do we pick up the phones and call the AFL or call Melbourne Footy Club or be, you, you know use our network power? How can mm. we make sure that uh, this doesn't keep happening? But I will say... The public mood has been pretty clear on oh, it. Oh, I, I feel like we've seen the court of public opinion has doubled down and gone, uh-uh, sorry, the dinosaurs can move on. We want Daisy. We want more of Daisy and more of people like her and women like her. And so uh, while I was sort of eye-rolling about it, there's a part of me that saw that public opinion and went, oh, mm. things have changed. There's a shift. There's a definite shift. And so... 
while it's exhausting, I don't know that I feel as frustrated about it because I do think this is this is the litmus t- litmus mm. test maybe we needed. What what I I do feel though, um, I, I feel for Daisy for the next time she's on television. And is it going to be that much harder for her? Is it going to be harder for her to walk into a room with with Wayne Carey and with Dermot Burden, who she will work with? Is it harder for her to walk in with her head high and with that confidence that you need to have? I mean, sure, she knows that people are around her mm. and supporting her, but, you know, this is why it's not an even playing field when you are a minority no. <laughs> working in that kind of environment. And that's what I wanted to ask you. You've been in broadcasting for a while. How do you deal with feedback like that within an environment like that when you're the one who has to step into it? Um, I mean, I guess I've not had that kind of public criticism. I've had times where I've sort of had a little bit of a pile on for me and I've really struggled. Um, I'm not a confident person naturally. And um, the environment that you work in in the media, you do feel like uh, perhaps might people be judging you behind your back and speaking about you. And it is really, really hard. And I suppose for me, it's a lot of our meditation and, and mindfulness and sort of trying to look after myself. And um, then I go home and often take to my bed, <laughs> you know, cuddle my yeah. kid and my dog. And, you know, it's hard. So I think that for Daisy, it will be hard. It's devastating. I was on uh, Offsiders a couple of weeks ago and there were like three comments that were negative that came across my eyes online. Mm. And I was a mess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you spiral. You do. So, you spiral. Power to mm, her and all yeah. love to her. All right. Well, let's get to our first guest who um, really it's uh, an extraordinary story. And it does sound like a little bit of a cliche to describe something as every mother's worst nightmare. But in a lot of ways, this really is one of my worst nightmares, most definitely, to watch my child make a bad decision in choosing to drive drunk and on drugs and then smash their car driving um, and and ending up in jail with um, really the miracle of it was that nobody was killed in that car accident. But um, to see your child in jail in itself would be absolutely devastating. It happened to our next guest and she's co-written a book about it with her son, Jane Jones. Welcome. Hi, Joe. Hi, Rana. Thank you for having me. Look, Jane, it's an extraordinary story and it's very courageous that you and your son, Zach, have written this book together. You're alternating chapters in the book telling this story. Um, a mother never stops being a mother, right? So what is it like to watch your son unravel as he was when he was in his early 20s? And can you describe him and that time for us? Well, it was obviously heartbreaking. I mean, um, Zach was just such a beautiful outspoken precocious but not in a way that used to annoy people um, affectionate loving and well-traveled um, you know he spent his first and second birthdays in Amsterdam I lived overseas in Europe for a while and I just sort of starting 13 started to notice his behavior change and you know he became angry and we were always very very close and suddenly you know i felt this distance between us i wasn't aware um that he was being bullied at school and on the bus um i knew in year nine but he 
you know, from reading his chapters and listening to some podcasts that he's done since he's been out of prison, um, you know, year 12 students were really bullying him on the bus and, and he, he sought, he went to help. Uh, he, he asked a teacher for help and, um, and the teacher sat him in front of these two huge boys and said, look, you know, I think you think you're being bullied, Zach, but, you know, they're just having fun with you. Well, I mean, you know, Zach was then let down by the very person he went to seek help from and he became very angry um, and disenfranchised with school, sought out drugs. I know from reading his chapters of our book, Why the Fallen, he was stealing alcohol uh, at home, stealing my ex-husband's cigars. Um, and he just withdrew from me. I, I just started losing him. And then he started getting expelled from 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 each and every school. And um, I'd have to try and find another school for him to get into and then he he seriously was self-harming and that was horrendous to see what he was doing to his body he's been writing and composing songs on his guitar since he was about seven he's really talented and and when he um you know he was bullied for that as well being called gay or a faggot or you know his voice Mm. sounded like a girl or he even questioned someone that worked for me who was gay um how how do you know that you're gay how do i know that i'm gay like he was questioning his own sexuality at a very young age because he was being bullied um and, and then he stopped playing his guitar he stopped singing and it just broke my heart like no parent wants to see their, their child in pain no so but then you, you you say that you see him you, you separate from him and he ends up um seeking out drugs and alcohol and that's how he ended up in this terrible smash and he's gone to prison how do you as a mother manage the pain of that and also knowing that your son inflicted pain on others i guess well he did and I don't call it an accident neither does he He calls it a crash it was an accident you know for his victims Um, although I will say they all knew Zach was drunk they were all drinking with him and doing bongs and Zach should have been punished for what he did getting behind the wheel of a car in the state that he was in but I want to stop other people like getting into the car with someone knowingly that shouldn't be driving he hit a car backing out of his driveway that should have been enough of a warning to drive straight back in and not go anywhere um i never thought i'd see my son in jail the last place i ever thought i would see him and um this was not a system that i ever wanted to to become a part of part of or, or you know get used to and it's it's heartbreaking no that that's the thing and that's why I wanted to to put this out there because I'm not alone so many parents are losing their kids from drugs binge drinking getting involved with the wrong people that was a, a massive thing with Zach and and the, the people that he surrounded himself with the ones that got in his car they weren't even at his hearing or sentencing. 
not, not, not them or their, their families, which I was very surprised with. He's not allowed to contact them anyway as part of his parole. But look, I understand they're all well. I'm not a religious person, but I prayed that they would all be okay. That I don't think I could have lived if Zach had have killed someone, an innocent person. Mm. And he's my only child. He could have so easily killed himself. And, um, you know, I've done his time in prison in my own way. Mm. Um, I was in a perpetual stall for two and a half years. I couldn't breathe Mm. for two and a half years. But very early on, I I had this sort of epiphany to write the book and I, I felt like that might give him a reason to focus in there. I encouraged him to seek counselling because, you know, I said to him, Zach, when you come out, you're going to have all the same temptations. And until you find out, like look inside yourself and understand who you are and why you made the decisions and the choices that you did, you know, you're never going to heal properly. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's so powerful that you were able to turn this into a book and into something that might help others. In such depths of despair, where does that spark of hope come from for you? Well, because I was in the depth of, depth of despair, Rana. I couldn't sleep. I was crying all the time. I, I felt hopeless. I felt like I'd failed my son. I just had an epiphany at the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child <laughs> theatre production. No, no joke. Honestly, I, and I was sitting there in intermission. I was looking up at this bowler hat magically hovering over an old-fashioned leather suitcase and I don't know whether I saw a flash or I had a flash of 
it, it was like a light bulb went off and and I said, oh my goodness, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to put it all out there. I don't care whether I'm going to be judged. I don't care what people say. I'm going to write a book with my son to try and help other people. And I reckon that's going to give him a focus in prison. And it might even help us build a bridge back together. Mm. And it really has done that. You, mm. The two of you have reconnected. It's also been, I think, a story of him accepting his responsibility for what happened. Um, but the redemption is there as well, that he's rebuilding his life. And what's inspiring, I think, and really important, apart from, um, you know, he really in his, what he has written, he has very clearly said, it's a plea, please don't drive and don't get in a car with drug or alcohol affected drivers. Um, that's very clear. But the other thing that you say there, which is so true, Jane, that so many parents have watched their children unravel and go down this path of making choices that, that they can't, the parents are despairing. I don't know how to help my child. Um, and they end up you know, either with serious addictions um, or in prison. And it's devastating because as a parent, you don't know what to do. You just don't know how to help them. And I think that's a really important story to speak about because there's a lot of stigma around that. 100%. And, and the thing is that our kids lie to our faces. They, they do. They're very deceitful when they're trying to hide things from, from us. And we want to believe the words that come out of their mouths because we love them and they're our children and we see the best in them. But I have learned over the years, well, and especially reading Zach's chapters of the book because, you know, he, he had, I think, initially wrote it more of as a confession to me, like all of the lies would be told, like mm. he was going to own everything, every single lie. And he has done that. And he, he actually says, I know it's going to break my heart, my mum's heart to read this, but I'm done lying. And just some of the things that he said in this book, like I literally just have sat there and bawled. You know, I climbed over the back fence because, you know, some drug dealer had punched his face in and his, he looked like a Picasso painting. His chin was like next to his ear. And I hadn't seen him for six months. And he writes in the book, I only climbed over mum's back fence, not because I hadn't seen her for six months and not because I'd broken her heart. My mum was a solution and I knew she'd fix me and I knew she'd give me a place to stay and I knew what the, the talk was going to be and while she was talking to me, I just wished I had had another bong at my mate's place before I climbed over the back fence. I mean, mm. to hear that from your child... Mm. How then has he found redemp found redemption? How has he rebuilt himself? It's pretty extraordinary to do that in prison, which is really a place that um, effectively uh, creates career criminals. Well, I think the writing of this book has been very cathartic for him, for us both, admitting to all of your mistakes, all of your lies. I think changed behaviour starts with that. You've got to accept responsibility for yourself and what you've done instead of blaming other people. It's not everybody else's fault. He was in prison because he put himself put himself there. And at 21, he knew damn well that he shouldn't have been behind the wheel of a car in that state. 
Um, he'd already crashed his first car um, stupidly and, you know, had lost his licence for demerit points. So, you know, driving recklessly, it's the same thing, running red lights, you know, kids on the phone, all sorts, too many passengers in their car. It's not just getting behind the wheel of a potentially lethal weapon under the influence. It's driving recklessly as well. Mm. But so in prison, you know, he was right. As he was writing this, it was like, like all this hatred and, you know, self-harm and everything started spewing out of him onto these pages. And it turns out he's a really gifted writer. Mm. He's very gifted with the written word. Um, he was 60 kilos ringing wet when he went in prison. He's quite tall. He's about six foot two. But just he was a beanpole. He started training in the, in the gym because Zach has always gravitated to the wrong people, the bad people. This time he started seeking out good people in prison and there are good people in prison that have made bad decisions. Not everyone's bad in prison. So he started training and that's, you know, that was a way to deal with his anger issues. That was a way, um, you know, and he started seeing improvements in his physical body. Um, he started caring about the food that he put into his body. Obviously, being in jail forced him to be sober, but he could have easily, he was told really from day one, oh, get on the methadone, it makes the time fly. And he, he had two and a half years ahead of him and he was, he would have been coming down because he was highly addicted. Um, and then he start like he start he worked from day one. He, he, he wanted to work in jail. You know, he, he sought out counselling. He did the drug and alcohol programs. Um, when he went out to Nalu at Fulham Correctional Centre, they, they live in like um, a, a cottage with four other guys. They have to wash their own clothes, cook their own food. And he was like the Martha Stewart in there, the male Martha Stewart. <laughs> he would cook for the guys. And, um, you know, he'd call me because obviously I couldn't visit. And he'd say, now, Mum, I have, um, I have a, a laundry question. Like, this child that was mentoring other prisoners. Like I've wow. had emails from, from other guys in there, inmates in there. This beautiful guy, Richie, he, he got out before while Zach was still in prison and he sent me an email and he said, I, I just want you to know that I spent the last five months of my sentence with your son and he changed my life. Wow. He think at 31 I would be his mentor and at the time Zach was 24, but it was the other way around. Well, you Jane, know, he talked, yeah. I, I mean, that is, that is extraordinary. And honestly, it's one of those things where you go, um, I don't know, do you believe that your path is already written and that, mm. and that your purpose in life is to have an impact in, in a really very powerful way in the strangest of places, which is in prison? I, I wonder if, you know, that. and now he's turned his life around and he's an extraordinary I believe example. Everything, I believe everything does happen for a reason. Wow. I certainly never thought I'd write a book about my <laughs> son going off the rails and going to prison. 
but I know that I'm on the right path from from the people, mm. the parents that have reached out to me because as parents, we're too embarrassed to talk about mm. our kids doing the wrong thing. We, you know, we want everyone to believe that our lives are perfect and that yes. we're good parents and and they don't come with an instruction manual. No. I say to parents, no, like, don't. just be kind to yourself. You're doing the best you can and at some point you have to you have to like I wouldn't accept the drugs in the house I didn't mm. have to kick Zach out because he would leave because I wouldn't accept the drugs in the house well Jane so it's, it was, it's yeah. It, yeah it is such a such a very powerful story and all, we've had people say such a raw and honest story thank you very much from our social media today and uh, so do get the book why the fallen is the book it is self-published so head along to the website which is uh, whythefallen.com and uh, thank you so much to you and your son Zach for sharing your story Jane it is very powerful and I really do believe it can save lives I hope so thanks Joe thanks Rana Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.